Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars. In this year's series, we'll be taking a deep dive into things we love about this game and why we love them. But today's more about other games, actually. So on this, the 12th Day of Edition Wars, Merry Christmas, my DM gave to me our top three, three is used here quite loosely, other games we haven't played and would love to try. This is our, is our wish list. Uh, maybe even our... Uh, New Year's resolutions. Who can say? Uh, with me tonight is the uh, excellent and talented Samuel Dillon. How are you, Sam? Excellent and talented, but yet I can't count to three, so this is a problem. <laughs> you, you can count to three, it's just you keep counting. Oh, yes, I keep going. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm well. How are you? <laughs> Doing fine. Uh, I, I think I am probably... Uh, more replete with games I haven't tried and want to try than I was with games I want to get other people to try that I have definitely played and or run. I think I'm the opposite because I only have five on my list, maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, good. That that's good. It's a, it's a good balance. That's why, that's why we're good hosts. <laughs> <laughs> So since, since you've got more, why don't you go first? Well, so a pretty fair number of these came up um, on our 10th day with our mm-hmm. uh, non-D&D settings. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to start it off with um, Swords of the Serpentine, uh, one of the uh, fantasy Venice pastiches that nice. I really want to play. Um, it is Gumshoe. We talked a lot about Gumshoe yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how it functions. And um, it is uh, written by the excellent Kevin Culp and Emily Dresner. Um, and I am excited about that. Um, what I have read of the book seems like a very well thought out setting. And that's very promising. Um, I, I like a lot of what I see here. Um, I, I feel like it is also going to get across a lot of what I'm enjoying in my uh, long-term D&D campaign of Orakesh mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that does center so much on this one city while still sometimes having action outside. Uh, so yes. I'm excited about that. Uh, and so since I haven't played it yet or, or run it, I can't go too much more into detail. Right? Mm-hmm. But, sure. Uh, what's your first? So my first is this odd little game that I learned about and promptly purchased, but have not had a chance to play yet. And it is called uh, a guide to depression era soap carving competitions. So there's two things here. Um, it's, it's written by uh, Tim Hutchings. He is the one who, who releases the games that were put through Plagmada, the, uh, Plagmada is um, the play-generated map and document archive. Okay. And yeah. uh, what they – so he he's involved in that. And what they do is they try to preserve all kinds of games from all kinds of different sources and whatnot, um, including things that people made at home at the, at the very origins of our hobby and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
And so he, he on, on his website, Tim, Tim Hutchings makes games. He features the Apollo 47 technical manual and everything is dolphins. And, uh, he wrote, a hundred year old or thousand year old vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Solo RPG. Right. Um, and so he does a lot of these sort of very, uh, niche, odd, conceptual conceptual interesting games and and this is one of those um it's a game where so if you didn't know back in the 20s and 30s procter and gamble during the depression they were they wanted to uh have a pr they they basically did a pr stunt without trying to make it a pr stunt or trying to hide that it's a pr stunt and they started having these soap carving competitions um because they figured well people will buy soap and then also it's really easy. You don't need anything to do it. And you can have these like soap carving competitions. I mean, this is a real thing that happened. Um, and in fact, they were still doing soap carving competitions into the fifties and sixties. Anyway. So in the thirties, this man, uh, committed a triple homicide and he was apparently a soap carver and he had won awards at soap carving. And so basically this game it it's it's not a solo game it it needs three to six players and and basically what happens is it has a deck of cards that comes with it and it has like a two-page um instruction sheet or rule book and um what you do is as you go through you can draw cards and there's only ever like two cards showing at a time or something i'm not really clear on the rules because again i haven't played it and I, i don't i don't really grok how it works exactly but as you go through some parts of what are on the cards are true and you determine what parts are true and you can elaborate on those parts. Uh, and you also determine what parts are not true. And what you're trying to do is the, the three to six of you, however many people are playing the game, um, you take turns playing the actual murderer, right? The soap mm-hmm. harbor and trying to determine, you know, what's true and what's not true. And as you do that, you actually cut up the cards based on, certain different elements things that happen so it's a it's a one-time play thing i mean but you can get the cards you know print play or whatever um but it just sounds fascinating dark deep and horrible and fascinating because i'm a big lover of like true crime things and so the fact that this the reason it caught my eye is it's based on a true story and a true events and uh and so that's very fascinating so it's it's a game i would love to play i've never played i don't know whether it works out how great it actually is the rules are very simple and easy again my normal caveat you got to have the right people to play it but it looks it looks really fun the card the art on the cards make it look like a bar of ivory soap Hmm, um nice. it doesn't say i doesn't say ivory or procter and gamble on it because of course copyright but um right. <laughs> but that's what it looks like so there you go nice What's your next one? Um, well, since I've, I've already discussed it, uh, I'll just get out of the way. It's Court of, the, Court of Blades, right? Nice. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Forge in the Dark. Um, you're playing uh, like agents of a noble family in uh, a fantasy Venice pastiche. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's both sort of uh, cutthroat politics and occult politics and maneuvering going on. Uh, it looks like tons of fun. Um, I love the sort of uh, whole process of, you know, your family climbing the ladder, the family is shared asset. 
is a lot of fun to me. Um, and the, uh, the different, uh, character options, uh, they're, they're kind of playbooks, but the, the character options seem like they would be very cool. Um, so that definitely seems like something I would like to get to the table with the you know, right set of players who are going to lean into the high drama of mm-hmm. um, being this you know, Venetian noble family. Nice. Very cool. So I have some low drama on my next one. Okay. Okay. Uh, not really. Um, this is a game called Knights of the Road. Uh, Knights as in K-N-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea here is that uh, you're in the 1920s in the U.S. and expansions are happening out west and there is a set of railway systems and you are a hobo who jumps trains to get from place to place and you're also a monster hunter. So <laughs> it's a very interesting, fascinating looking game. It's on itch.io. It's by uh, Border Collie, which is B-O-R-D-E-R-C-H-O-L-L-Y. Um, and it comes in uh, three little printable foldable books and it's like five bucks or something. And it looks like a crap ton of fun. I just, the aesthetic of, oh, you're just a hobo, like from a cartoon with a stick, you know, with a little bag at the end, then you're walking and then you're jumping on the train. Oh, and then there's monsters that you're killing so that you can protect the rest of the country. Yes, that makes total sense. I love it. It's great. The aesthetic on the art is like line art, uh, you know, black and white. It uses a lot of random rolly tables. I think it, it has a whole like a uh, monster creation little thing in it. It's, it's great. It's, it's just a lot of good fun. Nice. That or definitely least, does sound it, like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's going to be, I mean, I haven't played it yet, so I don't, I don't actually know. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, the, the appeal there uh, could definitely uh, work. I don't know if it would become a, long-term repeat game mm-hmm. with right. my player right. group, but that definitely sure. sounds appealing. Yeah. I mean, it, it has these, it has like a random, like a uh, hobo name generator, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and just, it's like silly fun one shot kind of thing is what I'm thinking. Um, although you could kind of run it almost like a monster of the week thing where it's a, a serial episodic, you know, where you, you do play the same hobo character every time, but it's a different monster, maybe in a different state each time. So it could be fun. What's your next one? Um, so my next one is uh, going to be um, another Forge in the Dark game. Um, I really want to give Band of Blades a try. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, and I talked about this the other day, uh, it, it is delivering a lot of the feel of uh, the Black Company without being dark in all the same ways. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed um, the the YouTube videos of uh, Strash running uh, Bend of Blades for a table of players. Right. And, um, you know, a, a, few, um, a few years ago now, at the beginning of the pandemic, as a birthday present for a friend, uh, we... Uh, you know, my wife and I wrote a um, invitation to run a Band of Blades game someday that was 
um, you know, orders to gather a squad. It was delivered sort of in universe for Band of Blades, and um, it's an officer's commission, basically. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Rabbit illuminated it gorgeously, and the scheduling just hasn't worked out to make that thing happen. But uh, we put enough, you know, love into that, and I did enough uh, preparatory reading to get the in-world references right that I'm just very excited about getting to run that at some point. Nice. Nice. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, you're up. Yeah, so my third one is uh, Beyond the Wall and Other Adventures. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And and this game has been around for several years now, and I, yeah. I never have gotten a chance to play it, but it is the proverbial, you know, literally you should have no prep to play this game it's you know its whole shtick is look if you don't have time for any prep just get this open it up you don't even have to read anything you can read as you go and you're making a group of childhood friends you're sending them off on their first big adventure and you know the the inspiration is you know things uh, by ursula k Le Guin, susan cooper lloyd alexander you know uh-huh. so uh you know you're talking about you know uh you know, you're, you make a village, you select a playbook, and then you go out and you, you know, take, take on whatever quest was needed uh, for that day. And because it's the way it's set up, you supposedly don't need any prep. And that's something that I think sounds great. And I think it's something that this hobby needs more of because so many of the games that I play and that others play require a ton of prep by at least one of the parties involved that uh, it's refreshing to see something that just works because I've heard from several people, Oh, it's great. Like it really does work. Um, And that sounds fantastic to me. And I would love to, you know, do, do it some honor and and get it to the table. Uh, I have a friend who's run a long-term um, mm-hmm. Beyond the Wall campaign, um, I created a character to join that campaign, but mm-hmm. as is the refrain, <laughs> scheduling didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have meant driving across town at a time. I just couldn't mm-hmm. do that kind right. of thing. Um, but what I love about Beyond the Wall is the uh, almost a life path kind of thing mm-hmm. in character generation. Right. Yeah, that's really neat. You're, you're building your character's story within the town, and that influences, I think, both your starting gear and your starting uh, ability scores. Nice. Um, so I really like what goes on with that in uh, in principle. Um, very cool. Yeah, the, the very, this fits into, uh, you know, the band of Le Guin and Alexander is mm-hmm. very much my deal. Spot on. Yeah. 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 Big fan. Yeah. Very cool. What's your next uh, one? Um, I mean, if this starts to sound like I'm just reading off the uh, uh, life's work of various uh, Forge in the Dark writers, that's <laughs> purely a complete coincidence. So I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to come back to that in a minute. Um, and I'm just going to go to uh, Ars Magica 5th edition. Okay. Um, I've been trying to get this to the table. I, I had a group together and a, uh, a concept for a campaign at one point, and then uh, 
the scheduling. We even had a date picked out that then fell through. And then before we could schedule again, there was a pandemic on. You might have heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so what I really want to do is run um, a an Ars Magica campaign set in either um, Venice or um, Constantinople. Okay, nice. Um, both of those really, really speak to me as you know, locations that are not maybe the single most standard or, or, or default of Ars Magica locations, but I've read about them because I have a ton of the books. I have a, um, about a half shelf worth of um, Ars Magica books, mm-hmm. and the stuff that's in them seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Um, right. It's just uh, going to take a lot of work to like, end other things to make room for it, and it just doesn't seem like what we want to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, the problem is always, well, I'd have time if I canceled other stuff, but I don't want to do that. Right. Of course. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's always the bugaboo, right? Really is. Yeah. So my next one is, um, is I just received in the mail as a Kickstarter reward, the latest edition, which is third edition of astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. Oh, yeah. And I never actually played the first or second edition, but I've always heard really good things about it from people that play that style of game and that I trust. And um, so I got the books in and I would love to get them to the table. Uh, yeah. I think the the design and layout really speaks to me. It's very uh, modern at the same time as feeling like I'm reading something from first edition in, in many ways, in good ways, not in bad ways. Uh, and, um, it's, the setting is, is human centric. There are no, uh, demi humans as they call them. Uh, so like I, that really speaks to me cause I, I like that. It, it you know, it, it's easy to run that way. Um, mm-hmm. and the adventures are sort of this mix between sort of Conan-esque, uh, quests and sort of, um, you know, uh, gray mouse or kind of, oh, you might need to be a little roguish and, uh, and, and, uh, the, you know, my favorite, the necromancer stories, right? Like I just, I love those. So it, it seems to hit a lot of the, um, good flags for me. So I would love to get it to the table at some point. Um, unfortunately it is a game where I would want to run a campaign. And as you always say, boy, timing is just not yeah. in my favor. It's come up a lot. Tell you what. Yep. Let's see. What else have I got here that I'm dying to get to say? Well, there's the one ring. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have yes. first and second edition staring at me. The the baleful, um, uh, ever-watching eye staring at me. Um, and... I really like the time period they settled on for these. Um, They're set between um, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I also like that uh, there's plenty of canonical information for playing in other eras, right? Um, And uh, Rabbit has been talking for years about wanting to uh, run a game set in the fourth age of Middle-earth, that we might manage to try at some point. Um, and 
just the the writing in the one ring is incredibly appealing um i really like everything that goes on there i also have adventures in middle earth so if i want to run this in fifth edition i could um i understand that mm-hmm. the fifth edition adaptation of uh one ring second edition is also available i haven't okay. really run that down um and um the uh the big uh big campaign adventure where you explore um uh, tharbad uh, i think it's ruins of the lost realm mm-hmm. uh that looks amazing um written by uh, uh gareth Ryder henrahan i believe and that's uh, mm. that's a big promise yep yep nice yeah i had i had the first edition the one ring along with several supplements and they were some of the most beautiful rpg books that i own um i i never actually played it no right which um, seems to be a common refrain actually <laughs> well uh, yeah i mean the, the list of things on the shelf that I have used in the course of play are substantially outweighed by the list of things I have not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I only have one more on my list. Okay. For, for this episode, at least. Um, uh, it is... Go ahead. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Oh, it, it is a... Uh, it's actually a solo game. Okay. And uh, it's called Delve, a solo map drawing game. Mm, okay. And so basically, I'll, I'll just, for the audience's sake, let me just read this one paragraph. It says, Delve, a solo map drawing game, is a map drawing game that puts you in control of a dwarven hold as you discover the horrors that lurk below. It's a 44-page small zine that has everything you need to generate natural formations, forgotten ruins, enemies, weird magics, and ancient monstrosities. It has a simple turn-based combat system, rules for building your hold, and optional challenges for a harder experience. Each round, your dwarves mine another square of the grid. So basically, you need a pencil, a piece of graph paper, and a deck of playing cards. Yeah. Um Hearts and diamonds are resources and trade goods that you'll use for building and hiring. Clubs and spades are natural formations and forgotten ruins. And so you go through and you basically shuffle this deck of cards and then you draw cards. And based on the rules, you now can add something to your to your dwarven, you know, fortress. And that just sounds really fascinating to me. And it's it's kind of a it kind of evokes in me the sort of lonely play of of you know the early days of RPGs when I just wanted to be doing RPG stuff all the time, but I couldn't, I, you know, I was young, so I was doing alone stuff, right? Making a yeah. bunch of traveler characters, right? Because, you know, you could die in character generation. So how many can I get to live, you know, <laughs> um, that sort of thing. And this sort of speaks to that uh, for me in terms of, you know, and and it has an interesting system. It's not just, oh, make up something and draw a map. It's like, oh, here are the things that are happening. So you're really going through, but it's not a pre-generated story, right? Like a choose-your-own-adventure. So that's good. I'm looking forward to messing with it. Well, awesome. Um, I am going to uh, mention Scum and Villainy, what I talked about a couple nice. days ago. Mm-hmm. Um this is just another case where uh, apparently uh, Strash Asimovic is just keyed into what 
works for my brain mm-hmm. and everything he writes is very inspiring to me in very few words. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what that is, but uh, I really like what Scum and Villainy promises. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really hope that someday the you're playing Dune Noble Houses part of that that universe uh, reaches publication because mm-hmm. I would love to play that also. Nice. Uh, the the playtest session that uh, we saw of that was very promising and uh, really interesting. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Well, I don't really have anything else on my list, but I will say that part of the reason why there is so much on my list, there's two reasons. Number one, there's just a lot of really interesting, cool stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Number two, part of the problem is I also am playing a lot of games and I love those games. And so that's why we always talk about, well, we just don't have time. It's not that, oh, I don't even have time for that one game. It's that, you know, I'm running three games and I'm playing in one. And there's just not that much time in my life for many more games, right? Yep. Um, and so that's how it goes. I mean, I would love to um, run some Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I played in a uh, very much a pickup one shot uh, that um, James and Tricasso ran for us. Nice. It's a huge table mm-hmm. of people. Right. I think it must have been something like eight or nine players at that table um, at Gen Con years ago mm-hmm. um it would have been 2018 yeah. um and i mean that was a, a delight and very very weird uh, but actually playing it and seeing the the advancement mechanics and and how all those go would be a lot of fun right i would yeah. love to do that um yeah very cool and you know i don't know that i could get myself to do the you know, one level procession thing mm-hmm. because I don't know that I can go with the breakneck pace of completing so satisfactorily complete, completing an adventure in right. you know the, the standard length of our sessions. Mm-hmm. Maybe who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's games that I've played that I would love to get more play in. Right, like uh, Over the Edge, I would love to play again. Yep. yep. Um, you know, I, I would love to be, you know, playing more Traveler at this point. Uh, I would love to play more Warhammer Fantasy. I would love to finally finish, start and finish uh, the, um, you know, Enemy Within campaign. Uh, I would love to play more Deadlands. I mean, you know. Some of uh, many of the games I mentioned in the last episode that I think people, other people should play. uh, I would also love to play those more. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So, yeah, it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to interesting things out there to play and to read and to incorporate and mix and match. And, you know, but again, I only have 24 hours in a day, just like everyone else. Um, Like tales from the loop is another mm-hmm. one that I'd mm-hmm. love to give a try sometime. Right. Um, the the kids on bikes genre mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is definitely uh, a promising one. I, I love Stranger Things, so right. maybe I'd love Tales from the Loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
who knows? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could keep listing things. There's so much on my shelf. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that for me, that might about wrap it. Okay. Me too. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, again, just like anything, right. We could, you know, talk about this for another hour and still I mean, not ever uh, re-mention games. <laughs> I, I want to run more Mage the Awakening. I want to get my brain to accept uh, second edition for right. the things it does differently and the things it does better. Mm-hmm. So I do see things that are definitely better. Mm-hmm. Um, just boy, are there things in that text that make my brain sort of shut down and my eyes bleed. Yeah, It's not really their fault. It's just my brain. <laughs> Um, All right. So that will, I think, bring us to the end of this year's 12 days. Yeah. Folks. I hope that everybody has a wonderful year and that you have even more gaming than you had this past year. That always seems to be a good thing to hope for people, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And I hope you've enjoyed this series as we wander through a lot of our favorite things in gaming. Yeah. We look forward to uh, continuing edition wars next year as we pick out a new project and dive headlong into it. Yep. All right. And with that, I'm going to go shovel some snow. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you on the internet, Sam? Uh, you can find me at rpgmusings.com or you can find me on uh, Mastodon at dmsamuel at dice.camp. You can also find me all over the Tome Show's Discord. How about you, sir? Well, I'm still on the bird site uh, at Brenda Stoddard. I'm also on Mastodon at Brenda Stoddard at dice.camp. I write for tribality.com. My personal blog is brandastoddard.com. And uh, I would love it if you would consider backing my Patreon, which is Brenda Stoddard. Awesome. 